0: Well, good evening, y'all. It's good to see y'all tonight, and happy Lord's Day. Thank you. Guys, whoa, not those lights. You can turn that one back on. Yeah. All right, guys. Kind of weird. We got a mood set right here. This is great. I'm sorry y'all can't be part of this mood thing happening over here. Um, No, you're good. Perfect. All right, guys. um, It is so good to see y'all. Like, seriously, I was so fired up today at 1030 Mass. Um, the gym, Shaver Gym was packed with people at five thirty mass yes, five o'clock mass yesterday, the gym was full of people. Seven o'clock, we're full, right? Like it fires me up that y'all are coming back and it's not an obligation still. You could still watch it on T V if you wanted to. You're still held to no obligation to be here. But you're here. And I, it just fires me up. It's a great, great joy to be able to see y'all. It gives me a lot of hope, um, as your priest. So thank y'all uh, for, for being here tonight to be able to come and worship our God. You know, today, at every year in Lent, this is always the weekend of the transfiguration, right? The gospel that you just know heard. Jesus goes up to the mountain with his three apostles, and he is transfigured before them. His clothes are dazzling white. Moses and Elijah appear with him. And this incredible theophany, this revelation of God's divinity in Jesus is revealed. And I normally preach about it. So for the past eight years of my life, I've preached about the transfiguration. I'm kind of tired of preaching about it. So, <laughs> so if y'all would excuse me, I'm not going to preach about the transfiguration tonight. I want to preach about the first reading. The reading of Abraham and Isaac. It's um, still kind of dark. Two sliders down. Okay, Abraham and Isaac. Um, y'all, y'all heard the story. It's kind of a freaky kind of story. It's kind of scary. Like, why in the world would God ask this? Of um, of Abraham, right? To sacrifice his own son. And I got to be honest with you, I've always avoided preaching about this because I didn't know how to how to deal with it. I I couldn't come to grips with it in my own life. And I don't know about you, but whenever you hear that, it's just kind of like, oh, like really? Like is God really asking that? I mean, this is the only spot in all of the scriptures that Jesus, I mean, that God asks for a human sacrifice. So what in the world does that mean? So I've always avoided talking about this. So this is the first time that I ever preached about this. And so, um, But I, I was listening to something yesterday, and it fired me up. And I'm like, you know what? This has to be spoken about. We've got to see this reading in light of Jesus. Because what's happening, because we could say, couldn't God have figured out a different way? Couldn't he figured another way out to, to bring about this understanding of who Jesus is? But we can't, right? In order to understand today's reading, we can't understand it without understanding it through Christ. The problem is that this reading tonight from Abraham and Isaac took place 2,000 years before Christ came. That's the gap. That's the expansion of years between Abraham and Jesus. But the only way to understand it is to understand it in light of Christ. All right. And it's kind of like in our world, right? Many times we don't understand what God is doing in the moment. We go through these tests, through these experiences of life, and we're like, God, why are you allowing this? Right? But it's not until five years, 10 years, 20 years later, you look back and you go, Oh, I got it. That's why that happened. It was so that this could happen, right? A blessing came out of it. So we have to think of it that way. Okay. So let's just kind of recap the story of Abraham and Isaac, right? Abraham, just to kind of reach a little further back, um, was, was the, great, the great father Abraham of the Old Testament. And Abraham, at one point, was tested by God, and God told him, Abraham, you're going to have a son, and from that son, you will become the father of all the nations. Your descendants will be as multiplied as the stars of heaven and as multiplied the as the, star, as the uh, sand of the shores. This was the covenant God made with God. He was going to have a son. And this son would be the promised son of the covenant. But what happened was Abraham and Sarah, his wife, got up in age. They started getting a little bit nervous, like, oh, I don't know about all this. God's not going to come through with his promise. My wife's beyond those childbearing years. And so Abraham took things into his own hands. He hooked up with the maidservant, and she got pregnant. She bore Abraham a son outside of wedlock with his wife's permission, as if that makes it any better, but um, (laughs) bore bore a son outside of wedlock. (laughs) I ain't right. I apologize. Um, And that son's name was um, Ishmael. Right. And Ishmael, in history, becomes the father of Islam. Okay? The Muslims. That's Abraham's descendant of the broken covenant. All right? This is... Now, fast forward a little bit. God still says, okay, Abraham, you broke the covenant, but I'm still going to be faithful. And Sarah does end up conceiving his wife through natural means, and they bear a son. His name is what we saw today, Isaac. All right? Isaac, in history, becomes the father of Jacob. Jacob gets renamed by God as Israel, and Israel becomes the father of the 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Israel. And so comes the Jewish faith. Okay, So you kind of followed me so far? You have two times that Abraham is tested. The first time, he fails miserably. And the second time, he passes the test. That's today's reading. So this is where we're going to pick up. God asked Abraham to go and sacrifice his son, which is the picture you see here. I'm sorry y'all can't see it over here, but it's a great shot. It's this incredible old man and this young Isaac. A lot of times we think of Isaac as this little frail seven, eight, nine, ten year old kid going up to be sacrificed by his dad. Well, that's not really the biblical account because what happens, think about this for a minute. Isaac has to be big enough to carry his own wood up to the mountain. All right. This is biblical scholars say he was probably in his late twenties, early thirties. Right? He was a strong young man. But what we see is God tells Abraham, go up to Mount Moriah. This is going to be important a little later on. And offer up your son there as a burnt offering. And so they go up to Mount Moriah, and on the way up, he tells his son, here's the wood, he lays the wood upon his son's shoulders, and he takes the fire and the knife, and they begin going up the mountain. And this is an incredible part right here. I love this exchange, a conversation between Isaac and his dad. Verse 7 says, Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father! Exclamation point. And Abraham says to him, Here I am, my son. What a tender moment, right? Imagine Abraham knows he is just yards away from sacrificing his sons, just right up the mountain, and he's going to sacrifice his son. He's never going to hear his son say, My father, ever again. And he speaks with his father's heart, Here I am, my son, right? Here I am. Can't imagine what the father's heart was going through at that moment. And Isaac looks at his dad as he's carrying the wood. And he's like, who, 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 you, I've got the wood. You've got the knife and the fire. Who, where's the sacrifice? He has no idea what's about to happen. And Abraham, trusting in God, says, God will provide the sacrifice. Again, what is going on in this father's heart? So they get to the top of the mountain and it says, Abraham built an altar there and he laid the wood there. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And you got to think about this for a minute. Isaac, 20-something, 30-year-old young man, a strong young man, could have easily manhandled his dad and said, Oh, no, boo, I'm going to throw you over the mountain. Like, you ain't going to kill me. I'm young. You're not. i got my whole life to live. (laughs) Right? I mean, if I was Isaac, that's what, sorry, Dad, but that's what I'd have done. But Isaac freely allows himself to be bound up by his dad, laid on the altar. And at this point, he realizes, "Uh uh-oh, I'm the sacrifice. (laughs) I mean, this is crazy. And Abraham, with a full heart, is about to sacrifice his son. And then God sends the angel and says, drop the knife, don't sacrifice him. God has provided a sacrifice because now he knows that you are faithful. And so what do they do? They look over to the side, and there's a ram that's caught in these thorn bushes by his horns, and he's trying to get out. And so Abraham goes over to the ram and takes him and offers up the ram. And Isaac is like, whew, close call, baby, right? Oh <laughs> man. So how do we understand this, right? Well, let's look at a few parallels. There's, there's five parallels to Christ between Isaac and Christ and Abraham and God. And we have to see these. Otherwise, this story makes no sense at all. Okay? So let's look at the first one. The first thing that we see in the Scriptures is that Father Abraham offers up his only begotten son, Isaac, in Genesis chapter 22. Whenever you parallel that to God the Father, John 3, 16, God gave his only begotten son for us. So anyone who believes in him might not perish but have eternal life, right? It's God's the Father, only begotten son. So Abraham is an image of God the Father who freely gives his son for us. Okay? First parallel. Second parallel. This is where it gets kind of fun. Isaac carries his own wood. You may have already made that connection, and is going to be laid down upon it. He's going to give his life on the wood. Jesus also, in all of the Gospels, it says he takes the cross. He takes the wood upon himself, and he carries his own cross up to Mount Calvary, and is laid down on the cross, and dies on the cross for us. Right? So that's one of the parallels between Isaac and Jesus. The third parallel is that this is the effect of this sacrifice, of this trusting in God, is that Genesis chapter 2 tells us, uh, verse 18, all the nations of the earth are now blessed because of Abraham's trust in God. All the nations. And what happens with Jesus, even right there on the cross, right, in Mark chapter 15, Whenever Jesus on the cross and he dies, he breathes his last, there's a centurion, the Roman centurion, the soldier, that looks at him and says, truly this is the Son of God. A pagan. A Roman. Blessed. All the nations are now blessed because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Now these last two, four and five, they really blew my mind. I never knew this until yesterday. And it fired me up. So you see this little ram off to the side, right? That ram is caught in some thickets. The ram is always considered the the sacrifice for the king. The king would offer up the ram, right? It's a strong animal. So God provides the sacrifice. Here's this ram caught up in the thickets, in the thorn bushes, whose head is now wrapped in thorns. You see in this image? In Matthew chapter 27, it says that Jesus had a crown of thorns placed on his head. Before his crucifixion, right? Jesus is a symbol of this ram, or this ram is a symbol of Christ who has a crown of thorns on his head. And now that is the fulfillment of Christ. So what does Abraham do? He takes that ram, that symbol of Christ, and offers that up as it was crowned with thorns, right? Awesome image. I, I heard that. I was like, oh, my gosh. But wait about Wait about the second one. This next one blew my mind. So Isaac, the fifth one, is that Isaac is taken up to Mount Moriah. Scriptures are real clear about that. Goes up to Mount Moriah, and that's where Abraham is going to sacrifice his son. Genesis 22, 2. But in 2 Chronicles, listen to what this says. Then Solomon, that's King Solomon, David's son, began to build a house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. So what does this mean? Well, it means that Mount Moriah is the mountain in Jerusalem, which later becomes known as Mount Calvary. Yeah. So Jesus is sacrificed on the exact same mountain that Isaac was going to be sacrificed. The exact same mountain that this ram, symbolic of Christ, is now sacrificed. Right? Guys, we got to realize this, that God is a God of details. That He is in the details of our lives. And so whenever we see this story of Abraham and Isaac, it's freaky, it's scary. But unless we see it in light of Christ, 2,000 years later, it makes no sense. And so this is how God unfolds for us the plan for salvation history. And guess what? (laughs) You and I are part of that plan. Your life and my life is part of the salvation of God's plan. It says this is God's plan for salvation history, not mine. And so what does that mean? It means that we're going to go through tests in our life. I don't know about you, but I've been through plenty of them. And I'm not talking about COVID tests. I'm (laughs) talking. I told you I'm not right. I am talking about God tests us. He tests us. And sometimes we pass those tests and sometimes we don't. Sometimes those same things approach us over and over again. Those same temptations come over and over and over again. And sometimes we bomb and sometimes we're like, man, I didn't fall this time. This is awesome. I feel great. Life is going good for me right now, right? But the reality is we all go through tests. And the reality is God is always faithful through that test. Amen? Amen. You see, we can be like Abraham in the beginning. Whenever Abraham was tested and he took matters into his own hands, he got freaked out, he got scared, and he decided to take control of the situation and make things happen on his own. I've been there. right? Or we can be like Abraham as we hear today, who says, Lord, I don't understand what you're asking. None of this makes any sense to me whatsoever. But I know that you're a God of faithfulness that you're a God of love. And that somehow you're going to work all these things out. And so Abraham obeyed. And the effect of it was that the nations were blessed because of it, right? And so what, what is our test? What are, what are we going through, right? What are you going through right now? Maybe you're going through a test right now. Maybe there's something in your life right now that God is asking of you. And it's like, Lord, I don't understand. Maybe there's situations in family, marriage sickness, whatever it is, schoolwork, jobs, whatever it is that's going on, maybe we're being tested. And that's okay. It's not that we're being tested that we have to be concerned about. It's what am I doing with the test? Am I going to remain faithful and and honestly say, Lord, I don't get it, I don't understand, but I am not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm here. And and I trust that you are going to Send the angels to help me, as you did to Abraham, and you're going to give me the strength that I need. Because he is a God who fulfills his promises. And all we have to do is begin to participate with that. You see, that's that's what we're called to, right? Is to participate in this great plan for salvation history. I struggled with this. I remember, I always have what I call these Isaac moments. These moments in my own life where I've got to give something up that I don't want to give up. And in times past, it may have been sins that I didn't want to give up if I was really honest with myself. Or it may have been relationships that I didn't want to give up. Good relationships that were good and holy that I really didn't want to give up. Like the last girl that I was dating right before I became into the seminary, I didn't want to give that up but God was saying, you gotta, you got to choose, and I'm calling you one way, and she's not going to be part of that. Holy moly, that was so hard. Right? I'll never forget when I was in the monastery. Um, I was... Uh, I, I was going to be a mom. <laughs> Obviously, that didn't work. Um, but uh, but I, was, I was in the monastery, and I remember after I had snuck out of the monastery got picked up by my friend, I ended up going back to the monastery, and, uh, and I was sitting in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and, um, and I was looking at Jesus in the Eucharist, and, and, uh, and I was like, Lord, I read this story, and I was like, Lord, I, what's my Isaac? What is it that I love so much that I can't give up because I've given away all my clothes. i sold my car. I've left my friends. I've left my family. What more do you want? And in my heart, I heard clear as day, youth ministry. Give up the reality and the fact that you will ever work with another young person for the rest of your life. Now, you got to realize something, guys. I was Mr. Youth Director, Right. I was traveling around right before that, around the country, speaking to 10,000 teenagers a year about pro-life and chastity. This was was what fueled me. This was what gave me life. This is what gave me joy. And God was saying, do you love me more than you love that? I gave you this gift, but are you willing to sacrifice it so that you can go and be a monk and never speak to another teenager for the rest of your life? (laughs) Talk about a death inside. I cried for three days. The wind would blow, I'd start crying. It was terrible. (laughs) But finally, the Lord gave me the grace to accept his will. And I offered it and said, Lord, I accept it. I'm two months away from being sent to Europe for the rest of my life. I'll never see any of my family, really, much ever again. And I'll go. And never work with another young person the rest of my life. And then about four weeks later, God called me out of the monastery. And I was like, oh, thank you, baby Jesus. So I left. (laughs) I'm so excited. Um, so I left, and um, shortly thereafter, I did end up going back and working in youth ministry. And it was incredible, right? I never expected to work in youth ministry ever again. I'd made that sacrifice once and for all, and God called me back into it. And it was during those years of youth ministry, that four and a half years, they were glorious. 350 teenagers actively involved. It was like these golden years, right? And it was blessed in the multitudes, and I never expected that. Right. But that offering to the Lord. that Yes, Lord, I love you more than I love doing youth ministry and even becoming a priest. I never expected to work on a college campus. My gosh, we've got six thousand students I can go and minister to like the multitudes get blessed because of one. Yes. Right. And that happens in your life, too. Your yes to whatever it is that God is saying. Can you sacrifice that? Can you give it up for me? Can you live for my will instead of your own will? Like, this is the test that we all go through. In whatever shape and whatever form those may be in your own life, God is asking, as he did Abraham, can you let go of that so that I can give you something a hundred times better than you could ever have imagined? Right? So where are you tonight? Are you in the middle of a test? Have you been tested in the past? What have you done with it? And maybe what's your response to it right now? Grapple with it. Talk to the Lord about it. Bring it to the altar and sacrifice it right there and let go of it. And say, Lord, not my will be done, but yours. Because we know that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. Everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, accepted as His will, works for the good of our salvation. Amen.